Blog Talk Radio. Hey kids, I almost forgot what day it was. That's pretty pathetic, isn't it? That must be a sign that I'm either too busy or too tired. And nonetheless, here we are on our Friday, miserable. I'm not sure what your corner of the world looks like, but I'm here to tell you that it's rainy and yucky and it, yeah just a rainy and yucky day. So very excited to be hosting my guest today, which is, of course, none none, none other than, I can talk today, Stephen Nagy. And I hope I didn't say that wrong, N-A-G-Y. Very, very excited. Many, many questions. Really pumped to do this. Before I bring him on air, I want to mention just a couple of events that are going on that I promised my friends that I would promote. Tomorrow, of course, being October 1st, the ninth annual Friends of St. Jude's Miami Signature event is going on. It's going to be at 7.30 tomorrow evening, and that's at JW Marriott Marquis Hotel. Of course, that's located in Miami, Florida. Now, uh, this, of course, is to prevent, or I should say, help with research and development for finding a cure for childhood cancer. For more information on the event, www.stjude.org. My dear friend from the Real Housewives of Miami, Anna Kinkasos, will be in participation tomorrow. And last I checked, I believe seats are $150 per ticket. But as I said, go to www.stjude.org for further details. My dear friend, Paolo Kulo, is going to be playing this evening at the Olympian Cafe tonight from 10 to 12 in Hoboken, New Jersey. He is dedicating his concert this evening, of course, to those of you that don't know, there was a horrific train accident that occurred in Hoboken, New Jersey. So let me just say personally, because some of my dearest friends are located in New York and New Jersey, I hope that all of you are well. Those that have not checked in, please go ahead and support Paolo's efforts to this evening in Hoboken. Also this evening, do not want to forget my top three live musicians, and then we will get on to my show with Stephen. Barley Pop Pub tonight from 8 to 11.30. Chris Crow tonight at 9 o'clock. Big Wheel Band is playing at Moe's downtown in Milwaukee here. And Generation Gap in Menominee Falls at Alley's Bistro this evening. So please, 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 we all know that I'm a huge proponent for live music. Make sure you go ahead and check them out. So without further ado and keeping Stephen any longer, let's get him on our show and begin. Hi, hey, Stephen. how's it going? <laughs> it, it, it's going it actually, it, talk. Oh yeah, it, it it is naggy though. You give me the Hungarian version, but that's okay because I am Hungarian. Ah, I am so sorry <laughs> about that. See, a lot of times I don't like saying other people's last name because then I feel like an ass because I'm like, how do you pronounce that again? Because you never know. I mean, it's just N A G Y, folks. That's his actual spelling of his last name. So I'm like, okay, am I gonna get this right or am I gonna get this wrong? So look, shocker, I got it wrong. Okay. Well, actually, so, actually, right. when I was coming on, uh, you know, there's a uh, if we were going to talk about acting and stuff and how in depth the conversation mm-hmm. got, there's a couple actors that I look up to and and I don't know if I'm going to say their name right either. <laughs> so, so really? I don't feel seriously? As, as, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you don't well, feel so bad now. <laughs> no, I don't feel so bad now. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. Good. Well, thank you. First of all, first and foremost, thank you so much for making the time to come on the show. I've been creeping on you and looking at you and all that good stuff, and I have a bunch of information about you that most of my followers probably don't know. So I'm really excited to expose my world to your world, basically. Um, Okay. So we're going to kind of go around all over the place. First of all, I have to ask this question because it's so ironic because I watched you because you sent a clip uh, uh, where you're doing this little shout out or or imitating, I should say, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, for those of you that don't know, of course, runs that big mogul business, WWE, which all of my kids love. We've been watching for years. So I want to talk. It almost seems like he's inspirational to you because you seem to kind of do projects and pick up things that inspire you or that you're motivated by. So talk to me about – why? Why WWE? You know, because some grown-ups are still like all WWE. So it's funny when I watched you. So talk to me about that relationship you have. 
Well, actually, I'm in my early 40s, so when I first started watching the WWE, it was actually called the WWF. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, well, even before that, in the 70s, it was called the WWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, and then they shortened it, I think, oh. in the early 80s to the World Wrestling Federation, and then they okay. changed it to what it is now, WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment. But, right. see, the, the thing I always tell people now is, is I was kind of a wrestling fan when it was like quote unquote like not too cool to be a wrestling fan. Like sure. you, you sort of had had to say like yeah you know I I watch professional wrestling, and this and now everybody like is into it for for how great Vince McMahon made it. But yeah I mean you know it's like the typical story because my father was was watching it and then I started getting into it. And, um, you know, in the 80s was really a, a pivotal time because that's when, when Hulk Hogan started becoming, you know, probably the most recognizable wrestler. I think I think The Rock right. is probably now. Like if, if you say to people uh, and they don't know anything about wrestling, they say name a wrestler, they'll probably say The Rock first. But for right. a long time it was Hulk Hogan, and it, okay. it was uh, between him and Vince McMahon's vision to make wrestling right. a global phenomenon, and uh, they started WrestleMania in, in 85, March 31st, 1985. That was the first one. And, mm-hmm. you know, what it is today is just, you know, astronomical. But I right. always liked the um, the guys that could talk. I mean, I, I wasn't a wrestler, you know, in high school, or I was a baseball player, and I played some basketball, but I never was a, a wrestler. But I always liked the guys who could talk and who could talk smack. And um, one of my favorite guys who actually just passed away, I think about a year ago, was uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, and, yeah. And, I remember him. And if, if if people don't know who he is and you want to see some good wrestling talk, you just go to YouTube. And, and he had a, a segment called Piper's Pit, and it was just uh, it was just legendary. And after that, you know, when I started getting to the early 90s, then I really liked The Undertaker. Oh, when he I came love in. Him. Oh yeah, I like but I really liked him when he was like the bad guy, the mysterious guy who didn't talk. Mm-hmm. And he right. was with uh he was with Paul Bearer, uh, and oh, Paul yeah. Bearer was who like, passed away too. Like, yeah, he passed away a couple years ago mm-hmm. too. Right, um, right. And then after that, I mean I just kept on watching and I think the the best era of wrestling was uh from the mid nineties to the beginning of two thousand when they had the attitude era. When they had uh, Shawn mm-hmm. Michaels and and Bret the Hitman right. Hart were were going right. at it because you know what you saw there you 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 saw something that you really didn't see before because in wrestling you used to have like bad guys which they call heels and then the good guys which they call the baby faces but at that time it was more like America and Canada were fighting because when when they had Raw as War which is their their biggest you know weekly uh, show that they still have and when they would have it in Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. Bret Hart would be the guy who everybody would be cheering about, and and Shawn Michaels would be the heel. But when they had it in America, sure. it would be the total opposite. It would be Shawn Michaels right. who would be the, the hero, and and everybody would would boo uh, Bret Hart. And um, you know, after that, it's just taken off, and uh, it's just amazing the you know these wrestlers that they have now that they can do this. I mean, I remember, um, well, I think it was Ho- um, it was Mankind, who was Mick Foley. And the right. Undertaker, and they had a match. They had a cage match, a Hell in a Cell match. And okay. The okay. Well, Mick Foley went off the the cage, and he he um, went to crash into the table. He you know he hopped twenty feet off, 
And now, you know, you got these guys doing this normally. And, I mean, that's one thing, like, I could never do because I'm afraid of heights. I'm not afraid of many things, but I'm afraid of heights. Uh, But I like the guys that could really talk. And and, then Vince McMahon is just a a genius uh, when it comes to development uh, of new wrestlers and the, the passion for the business he has. And also his work ethic is something that is very inspirational to me that, you know, helped me to use it in, in my pursuit to, you know, become an actor. Gotcha. I was just going to say to you, that's my next question, because obviously, of course, he utilizes. I want you to talk about this, because this has often been a point of contention with some people where they're like, oh, I don't know why people watch this, because it's nothing but choreographed crap and da 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 There's no legitimacy to their physicality, etc. And obviously, now you're in the acting world as well. So maybe you could talk to us a little bit about that, meaning um, obviously, of course, there is some choreographed stuff that goes on there. And obviously there is some acting that's involved, but uh, you know, nonetheless, there is some component in each one of these people where they're acting, but bringing part of themselves into that role now, aren't they? And of course, obviously yeah, they have to be physically fit to do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, even more so now than, than even back then. Uh, I mean, you see the, the, the physique in these guys and the really, um, Phenomenal part is, you know, back when I first started watching it, I mean, if you were like a really big guy, like say, you know, Andre the Giant or somebody like that, I mean, you didn't really do right. any like aerial moves or anything or jump off the top rope, but you got these guys now that are, they're big and uh, like the big show or stuff and they're jumping off the top rope right. and they're 450 pounds. So right. you know, I think uh, today it, it's a, a little harder to become uh, a wrestler, you know, in the, in the main attraction because i think you have to do a little bit uh more because uh, the, you know there's such competition and, and whatnot Correct. and um yeah so uh it's that and then that's why they've been sustained so long uh because it keeps on getting better and better with uh their different storylines and the different uh, wrestlers that they have in there correct i would and i would agree 150 percent now have you met him i was curious about that like have you actually no I, I never met him or? but i Oh. No, I, I never actually met him, but I, I did. I went to a, a Raw's War in August of uh, 97 in Atlantic City at the convention center, at the old convention center. Okay. And this is this okay. was only like an 8,000-seat uh, thing, and I had seats in the first level. So what you can do is when the wrestlers were coming out, you could go right up to the to the edge you can, and his table was right there. So I was standing like uh, probably, you know, 10 yards from him. Uh, oh, my but God, yeah, I never cool. actually got to met oh i was i was in awe you know and, and the bouncer came over and he says you know you got to go back to your seat and uh, right, right i i had to go back because the bouncer was bigger than me you know and you're all like oh my god i'm like 10 feet away from my hero and this is so awesome right i, I know what you're talking about it's it's an amazing he's really built quite the organization and, and i have to give him props even though people pick on that per se or the franchise and they say this that or the other thing he's a suave businessman he knows what sells he knows how to market he knows how to do his business you know and he's been in business well, for a significant amount of time well see another thing that I, that really impressed me too was uh you know when they had the attitude era they were in uh in competition with uh another organization that ted turner owned the uh, world championship wrestling right. wcw and wcw was actually winning the ratings battle for about two years every week they were they were beating the wwe and and what vince mcmahon did that even made him uh, more of a genius is he actually became his own character and he went into the ring and he was oh, fighting yeah. matches you know he because mostly he was just like the announced guy 
And and then he actually got in the ring and he had that big feud with uh, my personal favorite wrestler of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and and that was the highlight to me of the best era, the best five year period, uh, I believe in in professional wrestling. Oh sure, I, you know definitely, and you know obviously of course. So that brings to mind the next question, which is this. One of the reasons, and I'm going to guess this, so this is my question to you, is one of the reasons that you entered into entertainment is because of the fact that, obviously, one of the people that you idolize, not only can you market yourself, you can market a product well by being an actor, but more importantly, I notice that you're a huge background supporter, not only on your Facebook page, but on your personal page of actresses, models, other like-minded entertainers. Um, so I guess it begs to ask the question. You've been in entertainment starting in June of 2015. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this industry and what intrigues you about being in it. Uh, well, I started – actually, I started being an author. I started to be a writer because I uh, I could write good in, in school, but I never you know, really thought about pursuing that. And then I wrote my Dallas Cowboy book, and um, right. I st- started showing it uh, to people, and people were listening. And actually, I was really trying to get into radio was was the first thing uh sports radio uh but it's really tough to get into into that field and right. uh you know I just kept on, on meeting people I, I actually did a uh, cancer awareness article with a supermodel uh, Christy Bella Joyner uh yep. a couple of years ago and um then I wrote a a little little blog for uh Carol Alt who was a, a great supermodel as well Oh yeah mm-hmm. um you know, and then you just start meeting people. Uh, I did these these YouTubes that I have up there. Uh, I did them for fun because uh, I like doing that. So once <laughs> I I got the people to to that to talk to me that were in the industry, then I you know mm-hmm. they seemed friendly. So I showed them uh, these uh, these videos, and uh, you know for the most part, you know they seemed to like them. Uh, so you know that just encouraged me more to have more confidence to to go out and, uh, you know, talk to other people. And, you know, it, it kind of actually happened by accident. Uh, because, really? I mean, if I looked at, at my life, you know, when I was like, um, you know, 19 or 20, uh, I have a degree in mathematical science, and I used to be a math teacher, and I could probably still do calculus four, but I was probably supposed to be a math teacher. That, that was my destiny, uh, or a math professor. But, you know, like a lot of these actors, I'm I'm trying to, I'm starting to find out about is a lot of them they you know they started out as a teacher because if you're a teacher you know you got to be a little bit of a, a showman, and you can't Correct. really be shy be, you know because you have to put on a performance right. to get the kids interested. Correct. So you know I think uh, at that time I really wasn't thinking about acting, but I always had that in in the back of my head. And you know I was was a, a hyper kid. Uh, too, so I like pulling uh, practical jokes and uh, hmm. and and being funny and and things of that nature, uh, giving a good vibe. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, really, I was surprised that a lot of people uh, would uh, look at my tape because I figured that you know I would send it to them and you know they wouldn't respond or whatnot. But I was really pleased uh, to see that that people not only watched it but they you know they responded favorably to it. Oh, definitely. And I do think oftentimes, um, you know, and I don't think people realize this, when I first got into radio, kind of the same thing applies. If you are intriguing and interesting enough, even if you're relatively unknown or unheard of, you can kind of build your own brand, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like you said, you make that tape, you never know what the you know end result is going to be. But if you can be intriguing enough or make your subjects intriguing enough, I think that says a whole, whole lot, you know, in terms of uh, getting their attention and keeping their attention. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I think yeah, that has I mean, a lot to yeah, do no, with that. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, uh, like I said, I, I started out and, and doing it for fun because that's something I like to do. So to me, it wasn't really doing work or I wasn't trying to impress anybody or I wasn't trying to sure. make this this certain tape to, to focus on a certain audience or something like that. I just thought it would mm-hmm. be good. And, you know, if it wasn't good, if people didn't like it, then I had other ideas. I'd, I'd just uh, try again. Okay. I, you know, I think the the most important thing, you know, in anything you, you want to do in life is, you know, you can't be afraid to fail. Um, because, you know, many, and, and, and the also thing that was very, um, helpful is when I researched, you know, some of these uh, actors and authors that really made it big, mm-hmm. you know, you, you mm-hmm. figure that, you know, they were chosen to do this and, and this has been their destiny since they were born or whatnot. And then you realize that a lot of these people that are, are up at the top, they've failed miserably at stuff for whatever reason, yep. you know, many times they got turned down many times. So, I mean, anybody, Correct. you know, listening out there that wants to do something, you know, don't don't think that you don't have, you know, the the proper tools or or whatnot uh, to do it because I mean it's going to take a lot of time if you're willing to put the work in. But you know, if it's something right. you love, whatever you love, you know, you should you should really go for it. I know it's like a cliche, but I mean it's really it's really truthful. No, and I agree with you 150%. I think most people um, and can be very naive when it comes to, do, oh, I have to have this education, I have to have this background. We live in a world, technologically speaking, where you could do just about anything. You could do a web series, you could do a YouTube, you could do what well, I'm doing, the podcast, because I interview people from all over the world and have an, you know, an international following. So, you know, the possibilities are endless, and I think that has, you know, more and more people come out and say, hey, you don't need to be this or need to be this. Like, for instance, now I see that you attended Keene University. Now, did you end up getting an actual degree for teaching, et cetera, yeah. or did you – okay, you did. Well, I, I didn't get the teaching degree because I just went for straight BA in mathematical science, but then I, I went ah. alternate route. With they, I don't know if they still call okay. it that now where you take like a, a, t- a test – and then you become a teacher if you pass that test. Um, so you actually have to take, I think, a little more on the mathematical side. So like I said, I'm I'm good with Calculus 4. I could still rock that out a little bit. Oh, cool. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah, because I'm a, a, a writer, too, obviously. And I'm here to tell you I absolutely suck at mathematics. I'm going to tell you right now. That's not my strong suit whatsoever. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, I totally suck at this, which is fine, because when you write, typically you don't have to deal with the math component. But I'm like, okay, whatever. Um I'm no, like that with history, question. world civilization. Are you really? See, and history for some people, they're all like, oh, my God, isn't this fascinating? And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to go to sleep right now. Because obviously uh, I think a lot of us writers are and, – and that's kind of the next question to you is we're a little out there. I mean I think it really takes a very vivid imagination and a, and a sense of um, chaos in some regards. And as I've talked to some of the people I've been on my show, um, backgrounds that are a little colorful. You know what I mean? I think most of the artists, musicians, people I know, so we're not normal people. I don't know how else to well, say you it, know, but, you know, would you consider that, yourself great, like that? <laughs> yeah, because that's a great point because I, I think uh, one of the gifts I have is that I do have a great, you know, imagination, which usually, mm-hmm. you know, I have a little bit OCD too. Sure. And I usually that, accom- that accompany is that uh, as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think um, you know, most if not all artists or actors or our musicians, uh, you know, do have a great imagination uh, because, um, yep. you know, you have to sort of, I don't even know if they use this saying anymore, but think outside the box. I used to be a salesman, too. That's what my yeah. boss would always tell me. He would say, yeah, you got to think outside the box, you know, think right. outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, imagination is key. And, um, you know, that does 
separate you because you're not following the same, you know, pattern as everybody else. You want to branch out and you want to do something that's a little bit different to make it more memorable and to and to make it better. Correct. I agree completely. Now, one thing that you guys might not know about Stephen that I know, which is, man, you're vocal. I would have never expected that. I mean, I watched the one video that we're going to talk about, but I've seen you sing before. For instance, he has sung Frank Sinatra to my new fan on Twitter, Nancy Sinatra. And I'm like, oh, my God, he does not know the craziness sentences because I am all about Frank Sinatra. So I'm like, what oh, the yeah. heck made you do a YouTube video where you're singing Sinatra to, to Nancy Sinatra? I'm like, what's that all about? Well, I, and actually, she wasn't in the room. I, I just I just well, dedicated I to her, but but she does follow me on Twitter, so I did I did send her the the YouTube link. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think it was you know my favorite musician is John Lennon, but Sinatra is definitely up there. Nice. And I think uh, at one point uh, I was watching on the the public uh, the PBS stations. They had a lot of Frank Sinatra concerts on it at right. one point, and I was just watching them for like two or three weeks. And you know the thing I like about Sinatra too is is he's he's like a showman, but he doesn't like try too hard. He's just natural and things of that nature. Right. So so I was watching that for a while, and the place I was working at uh, uh, it was a friend of mine, and and I, I mentioned to her I was like you know I want to do you know I want to sing Sinatra and and do some of the songs, and she was like yeah sure. you know I'll tape it for you, and uh, and also I like it because I I know a lot of the words to the song because I've heard them so many times, so I didn't have to. You know, oh, right. go back and back and study and, and wonder if I'm not gonna get it right or whatnot. I could I could do it pretty well. <laughs> cool. And you <laughs> did yeah, that pretty well, I, actually. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I don't I don't think I'm ready to be an impersonator, but I you know, I uh um, yeah, I do like yeah, to sing I'm not it. sure you want to go there. Yeah. And and you do. No, I mean yeah. actually the other videos I listen to, I'm like he's very vocal. So I it begs me to ask the question now. Would you ever consider doing that as like a sidekick? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm going to be out and about. I'll do a little stand-up comedian, comedic stuff one night, and then one night I'll do some singing at a joint someplace. Or do you entertain those ideas, or are you doing those now? Because that's, that's illogical to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would definitely consider that. Um, you know, honestly, though, one of the uh, things um, that I would want to do was uh, to be in a horror movie where I'm like the play like the crazy person, and I'm like stuck in an asylum, or I'm stuck in a prison, or something like that. And then I just like walk around the place, acting nuts, and just singing songs, mm-hmm. you know, like crazy songs and stuff yeah. like that. Because I always like like those guys when I watch horror movies. And then everybody comes in there to try to examine them, and they they get really like you know weirded out of, with with this guy, right. you know, like why is he singing right. this and and, and something right. like that. So yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah, and like I said, see, folks, this is why I said we're all a little off kilter because it doesn't sound too normal that this guy wants to be in some horror movie where you're scaring the hell out of people. That's one thing <laughs> I did notice about you. You have this – I don't want to call it a fascination, but it seems as though you your fanfare is the horror genre, meaning a, a lot of the stuff that you've been following, watching, promoting, et cetera. So I didn't know if you had a, a link to the horror um, genre, friends in the business, et cetera. Well, uh, actually, I'm going to be in a horror movie uh, that's going to be filmed uh, probably in a year or so called uh, October 30th. I'm going to have a uh, voice role in the film. But, you know, as a fan, I just um, – I'd say for like the past 10 years, I guess, I just started really getting into the the new horror uh, movies. And I just, you know, loved loved them, loved the special effects and loved the acting. And when I was growing up – 
I used to watch all the time. Uh, I liked the shows like Tales from the Dark Side and Monsters. That That's when I was growing up. They came out. And then before that, I, I'm a big fan of the Twilight Zone. So I, I really always had uh, a love for the uh, the sci-fi and and things of that nature. And that's interesting you said that. Did you see that post recently? And maybe I misconstrued it, but I don't think so. Looks like um, they're redoing or remaking Tales from the Crypt, or it's coming back on or something like that. Oh, really? No, I, I didn't see that. And this was recent. Yeah, there was something on the Internet someplace, and forgive me because I can't remember where it was, but they said that they were going to do it again. And I thought, that's absolutely awesome because even my kids, because I don't know about you, I'm curious on your take because you like it so much. There is um, – okay, the best way for me to put this is this. I'm old school. So, like, for instance, Halloween scares the hell out of me, so I refuse to watch it by <laughs> myself. Why? Because it's just freaky. You know what I mean? Nowadays, it seems as though, and maybe it's me, we're transitioning to a more graphic, horrific sort of genre of horror. Does that make sense? And in some ways, it makes me uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? But, again, I'm curious of your take on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could say that. I mean, a lot of these horror movies, but, you know, it's also with the technology that we have now. I mean, when they made the horror movies, like, back in the 40s and 50s, they didn't right. have the, the, the opportunity to to do all these things. But, yeah, I, I watched a couple horror movies, and a lot of them are, are you know, like the end of the world's going to happen and people have to save it right. with their intelligence and whatnot. <laughs> and um, you, you watch this stuff, and, and I was watching one the other day, and um, – it was like Mercury was coming towards Earth and it had a magnetic pull. And, and what was really fascinating to me, what I really remembered was that the magnetic pull was so big that the cars were actually lifting up into the air like they were like they were bubbles, like somebody was blowing bubbles. And I remember okay. that because I had never seen that in a movie, in a horror movie before. So that will, that, something like that will stay with me, you know, for a long time. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, that was, that was really, really funny. Well, now, too, of course, we live in the advent of in indie films. So, of course, now you have independent filmmakers that are making horror movies, and they're really kind of going outside the box. I mean, I, I've critiqued a bunch of different ones that I've liked, and I like the new independent stuff that's coming out. So, again, natural question to me, when's Steven going to make a horror movie of his own? Because I could see that coming. Oh, you know, know. what? Everybody <laughs> tells me that. They always think I'm a director, and I say – you're not the first person, and I and and right now I just I I like to be uh, in front of the camera. You know, it's like you when do. I played okay. when when I played softball. Uh, I like to play the game. I don't like to organize the game. Uh, gotcha. I don't know. I I just don't think I have. You know, you you have to go to school or something for that. That's really, you know, you well, know what you're doing. You'd I be mean, surprised. Kind of sort yeah, of. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be doing a few. Maybe and, once, you know. Maybe once I get into the the business for a while, but I mean anybody listening out there, I would love to be in your movie. So, so please See? put me in the camera. I'm definitely not camera shy. That is one thing about me. I'm not camera shy. See, so okay, good. So now I have an opportunity for you. But let's just see, because now are you in L.A. directly in L.A. Is that correct? No, I'm in I'm in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania right now, and it's it's really bad weather okay. out here too. So yeah. Gotcha. Okay, got it. So you're but not I, I would close I to would that. hope to to maybe be there. Another uh, area of the country that um, interests me uh, that mm. I know a lot of people in the film industry, and I've seen some of their films, is Texas, which would be a natural fit oh, for yeah. a huge Dallas Cowboy fan, too. Correct. Um, but, gotcha. Yeah, I could I could probably see myself ending up in, in one of those two in the future if somebody will have me. You know, gotcha. if somebody okay. you know, and, wants to send me a letter. 
Sure. Well, and now I have to read my way of thinking because I am a I'm going to be a panelist at the Horror Film Festival in San Diego at the end of next month. And so that would have been a perfect opportunity for you to, yeah, to to network with people and all that stuff. So what I'll do is, is, are you close enough to New York City or does it have to be PA? Because I do a lot of indie film stuff in New York. Uh, Well, you know, I've been to New York. I'm probably about an hour and a half from New York. Oh, that's not too bad. Okay, well, I will hit you up the next time then that I get passes and such. Then you can go network with all of your future directors, et cetera. We'll get you a job in horror, and then before you know it, you're going to be like, I went on that show, and that convinced me I should make a film, and now here I am. See? This is how it all starts. (laughs) One little event, definitely. Yeah, you never know. Since you you brought it up, obviously, of course, uh, October 30th is the movie you were talking about. Now, I know it's penciled to come out in 2018, and it's a voice role. So I'm curious how many voice roles you've done in the past, because it seems to me you have the voice for radio slash movie slash whatever. Is this your first attempt, or have you done this before? Oh, I appreciate it. No, this is going to be my first one. I'm a rookie. I'm a wow. rookie, so uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, You know, also, I'm excited, like, the experience, like, to, to be on the set. Like, even, even if I wasn't in a wow. film, if somebody invited me to, to come by just to – like entertain people in the crowd just to just to be a part of that because you know when I watch movies some of my favorite movies I always wondered like you know what would it really what was it really like there on the set like what did they really do after they did the scene that I remember for the rest of my life so yeah I'm, I'm really excited for the for the opportunity to to be a part of that and uh, to be uh, you know where the action's happening. Oh, sure. And now for those that are listening in, for, for, for instance, I should say, that might be interested in looking into doing voiceovers and things like that, why don't you talk a little bit about um, did you do any kind of training? Was there any preparation? What does it take to be an effective voice actor? You know, I never had really any formal training. Um, when I when I got out here to, to Pennsylvania, I, I met a couple actors, and, and uh, one of them took me to like an acting class uh, thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, when I was young, that's what everybody always said to me. They always said, you know, you're pretty funny, you're a little hyper, and you have a good voice. And actually, when I was, like, in my teens, I, I really didn't like to hear my voice. I don't know why. I think I hear a lot of these, like, singers and stuff like that. They say they don't like to listen to themselves or or, or whatnot, and I, I don't know why. But, yeah, I didn't really think I had a great voice. But what was a really funny thing was I remember when I was a senior in high school, and I was a, a sports guy. I mean, I wasn't a great player, but I was a, a decent player, so I played baseball and basketball. And my homeroom mm-hmm. teacher was the uh, the chorus teacher. And uh, I remember one time she said to me, she said, hey, you want to, you know, jo- join the chorus? And, you know, back then I thought, you know, that's, you know, I'm like a big sports guy. I don't, you know, <laughs> right. want to be a join the chorus and, and whatnot. So I, I turned her down. But, you know, I, I guess I kind of wish I would have uh, – would have took her up on that because, uh, you know, I, I do like to sing. Um, you know, in my 20s, I used to do a lot of karaoke. I used to sing a lot of karaoke. And um, then uh, one or two uh, country bands, I actually uh, taught this uh, one guy when I was teaching adult school, and he was in a country band. I taught him math. Uh, he was in okay. my class, and he, he asked if I wanted to, uh, to hear them sing. So I went up, and then he says, do you want to uh, – you know, come up and sing with us. And uh, that was like probably the first time I sang in front of a live audience and, and the people liked me. I like country music. Uh, so I sang uh, uh, Merle Haggard's Big City song. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's, kind of, that's kind of an old, it come out in 1980. But but uh, I picked that one too because I knew all the words to that one. So I, you know, I wouldn't get tripped up. Um, yeah, and people were clapping. It was a small little bar. I mean, it wasn't like I was in Madison Square Garden uh, singing, but... Oh. 
yeah, people like me. So it's just it's just a confidence thing. I mean, you know, people that, you know, cheer for you, you know, it really does make a difference when performers say, you know, thank you for the applause. They're they're they really are thanking you uh for that or when somebody in the industry uh mentions you um, you know, in an interview, um that, mm-hmm. that really boosts confidence to somebody who's starting out that you know, maybe I, I do have something because when you you know you're first starting out, I mean you're you're not going to get a lot of you're not going to see a lot of results on paper, you know. So you you really have to stick with it, and you really have to be in that for the long haul. And and people like that who who give you uh, good confidence that's been industry that that really does help. That means that means a lot. Correct. Oh, I would agree with you 150%. Now, on the flip side of the fence, when you first started talking, you had done the book, My 100 Reasons to Love the Dallas Cowboys and 10 Reasons to Despise the Philadelphia Eagles and Their Fans. Wow. Yeah, and I live in, and I live in wow. Lehigh Valley, too, so. <laughs> all right, so first of all, i got to talk about this whole Dallas thing, because I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy's all over this Dallas Cowboy thing. So you know that means you're originally from Dallas? Or that means no, I'm, I'm from experience? Jersey. Ah, I knew I liked you for a reason. Central Jersey. So what up with this whole Dallas rules the world sort of thing? I mean, you were all over those Cowboys like right and right. What's up with that? Oh, I'm a huge Cowboy fan. I've been a Cowboy fan since probably 81. Uh, probably my okay. first memory was not a really good one when they lost the uh, the NFC Championship game to the 49ers when Montana threw it to Clark, the catch mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Uh, so, so I became a, a, a Cowboy fan which is funny because I'm also a big Yankee fan, and my first recollection of the Yankees was really not that good because they lost the World Series to the <laughs> Dodgers in 81. Right. So I became I'm a Yankee fan. Uh, but we I, we made up for it you know, later on down the line. But, uh, yeah, I've always been a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. Um, I pretty much – I haven't probably missed a game watching in probably 20 years because you know, now you can watch every game on the, uh, on the Sunday ticket and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I, I get into it too. I mean, I, the – the last game we played on Sunday where we almost blew the lead to the Bears, you know, there's like mm-hmm. sweat pouring down my, my forehead when I'm watching these games. Oh, I mean, if you're, if you're a big fan gosh. like me of any team, you're these, some of these games are excruciating, but, but I tell you what, the, <laughs> the, the biggest excruciating time, like I, I feel my heart racing for like two months straight. Cause I'm also a huge hockey fan oh, and I'm a huge Washington Capitol fan. And, okay. and we're, we're really good now. Now we're actually, I think the the favorites again to win the Stanley Cup this year, but we never do. But okay, when when this the hockey playoffs are when it really gets my heart racing because it's just like nonstop, like it's every other day, and these games are so excruciating, and a lot of them even go into overtime. Uh, so you know you need a break. Like after the playoffs are over, I say, whoo, you know, I, I need to take two days off, or I need to. Oh my god, that is long insane. distance walking. Yeah. <laughs> that is totally insane. <laughs> now, does this explain um, why you're single? Because I'm thinking uh, I saw his status at the single, and I'm like, he's probably sitting there devoting his whole week to the Dallas yeah, Cowboys, maybe, and that's why he's single. Well, I'm not as handsome. Well, I'm not as handsome as I was, you know, when I was in my 20s, you know. Ah, beauty's on the inside, not on the outside. I don't know if anybody <laughs> ever told you that. But still, maybe it's that obsession you carry with this football thing. And clearly, it's more than an obsession. And in some ways, I think us as writers usually take what we hold dear to us and we translate it, obviously, into writing, etc., which, of course, you've now done with this. So explain how this went from an idea into your head, an idea in your head, rather, to becoming – this masterpiece about why you love the Dallas Cowboys. Talk to us about that process and how this came to light. 
Yeah, you know, I read a couple books. Um, I, I think one of them was uh, similar. Like it was like my 101 reasons to love the Yankees and 10 reasons to hate the Red Sox. And uh, okay. you know, I was reading this book, and I figured, well, I know a lot about you know my teams too. So you right. know, why not? You know, try to do this. So again, it, it was it was sure. enjoyable to do because when I was writing these things down, it was reliving all of the all of the good memories uh, that I had. Uh, you know, especially in the '90s when they won uh, three Super Bowls in four years. And at the time I was okay. writing this, this was probably about like 2004, 2005. So they really weren't that great of a team at at that point. Uh, they were average team at best. So there really wasn't anything to get excited about with the current team at that time. But when I was writing this, it, I, you know, I was excited because it was taking me back to to the glory days. And um, you know, again, it really didn't take uh, too long to write. Uh, I had an agent at the time, and uh, they said that somebody's interested, but they don't want it to be a, a written book. They were wondering if if you could make something into an audio book. Now I had written other books right. too that haven't gotten published, uh, but. I decided to uh, to do the Cowboys as the audio book, and I figured that that would okay. be a good segue because, you know, once the uh, the CD came out, uh, I could use that also as an audition tape, you know, for radio or whatnot as well. Correct. Which, which I have sent sent the uh, the tape out to people, and uh, okay. you know, I was it was really pleased at the cover and and, and the way it came out. I mean, unfortunately, we didn't do a part two. There was there was only the part one, so the book wasn't one hundred percent completed. Yeah. Okay, um, I gotcha. But you know, huh. in, in the future, you know, I hope to uh, speak about the Cowboys. You know, like I said, maybe in a, in a radio capacity, oh, or maybe write a, a different book. You know, years from now uh, about other areas of of the the Cowboys and maybe some of my other teams as well. Correct. Now, my question to you is: Has the uh, has anyone from the organization do they know of the existence of this, et cetera? Um, meaning the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, maybe a few old mm-hmm. players uh, because I I um, they befriended me on on Facebook uh, and I, I oh, sent nice. the link uh, out to them. Uh, but yeah, I don't think any of the any of the real current players. Although I, I did uh, I did talk to. Uh, uh, Tony Romo's wife. Um, a couple oh. years ago, I sent I sent her, you know, a couple articles I wrote. This is before you know uh, they were married because she was she was a, a news she was a very good news reporter, uh, sure. I believe. So before they they got married, so I, I think she knows who I am. I mean, that was a while ago. She probably forgot because she got Tony Romo. So you know. well, of course, and I adore Tony <laughs> Romo myself. He's just pretty to look at. Thank you very much. Just sad. Which means now we got to talk about the flip side. What's up with you and this hatred of the Philadelphia Eagles? Ouch, that's rough. Oh yeah. Well, um, I I think like right now, I don't really have a hatred. It's usually to me the hatred usually stems from a, a specific player on a team rather than like the fan base. Uh, gotcha. So I mean, back in the back in the nineties, uh, there was uh, you know a couple players. That I didn't really care for. Uh, I remember one player on the Eagles. Uh, his name was uh, Andre Waters. He used to call him Andre Dirty Waters because he would, you know, maybe do some late hits or, or whatnot and, and stuff like that. Okay. But uh, okay. yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a Cowboy fan, you know, you you have a rival with the uh, with the Eagles and anybody ah. in the NFC East. And uh, I got even it. when okay. I moved up here to Pennsylvania, 
you know, sometimes I'd be walking, you know, down the street or to the diner or whatnot, and I'd, I'd have my, uh, I'd wear my Dallas Cowboy hat, and you know, somebody mm-hmm. would stop the car in the middle of the street, and they would just start yelling at me. You know, that, that hasn't happened recently, but when I first started moving here, yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't know what it was. What is? I guess it was because I was wearing a cowboy hat. Oh my God! Seriously, yeah. that is insane. Isn't well, they it? didn't get out of the oh car. Gosh. They 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 just stopped for a minute because it's not a busy street. They mumbled something. And they went off. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay, so now since you're such a diehard football fan, I gotta ask this question. Now I have to tell you, I'm on the opposite side, which is, oh my God, you would have to literally bribe me and take me to a bar and fill me with alcohol to make me watch football. I am so an unfootball type person. Oh, wow. But I have a football relative question. Um, The person that I have coming on my show in in the future is the gentleman who the movie Concussion was based on, the doctor, Dr. Amalu. Oh, wow. Yeah, I want to see that movie. Oh, okay. Well, uh, then I won't ruin it for you. I know the movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I I want to see it. Yeah. Got it. So as a football fan, I wanted to ask this question because I put this up as a poll question on my Facebook page. So I'm curious to ask diehard fans like yourself, for instance. Dr. Amalu, what he discovered posthumously, and I guess apparently this is the only way you can find this out, is a player has to pass away. He took apart the brain of a few NFL players, and what he discovered was that they had CTE, which is that degenerative right. disease where basically um, you know, it has to do with the brain, and you can only discover it when they passed on. Well, recent statistics, there's two comments he's made. First of all, he said 87 out of 90 players that he's examined have all suffered from CTE, so it's likely that a lot, of, a good portion of players will get this. Second of all, he also claims that there is absolutely no piece of equipment out there that can protect a brain, whether you are under the age of 18, like he advises, if you're under 18, you shouldn't play football because your brain's not developed. Whereas with adults, he's like, no matter what, their brain's mushing around like jellyfish. Why? Because they're, even though they have a helmet on, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? That constant impact right. over and over again. So I'm just curious to see, I asked football fans this and they all had a fit, of course. I was like, okay, well, if you listen to this, do you still support the NFL and the games and the players and such, knowing full well that they could very easily die from CTE, develop concussions, or moreover, there's no real protection for them playing this game. So they're, in essence, hurting themselves over and over and over again for your entertainment. So I'm just curious. Well, there's no wrong answer, well, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, you know, there is uh, that because, uh, you know, I, I think I heard that Frank Gifford, who was a legendary yep. player and broadcaster? They, yep. you know, after he passed, they uh, they revealed that he had that too. And I know uh, yep. a former cowboy great of mine, uh, Tony Dorsett, is is really not doing that well uh, either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know. I think it also depends on the position you play uh, as well. Really? I mean, if you okay. if you're a um, if you're say like a running back, um, I think you would probably suffer more hits than if you were a wide receiver. Because a, a running back, you know, you're going into the pile, you're you're lowering your head down there to, to get some extra yards and whatnot. But you know, a wide receiver usually uses their speed, and uh, you know, when they get tackled, they're they're also probably getting tackled by somebody in the secondary. They're not usually getting tackled by a big, you know, linebacker or, or whatnot. Uh, you know, if gotcha. you're a quarterback, um, you're going to get some hits. Although they do have a lot of rules now that prevent. Uh, the quarterback from getting hit in the head, the helmet-to-helmet contact. 
so I think you know with a quarterback uh, they they're mostly concerned they with their knees and and their legs you know where they have pain uh, if they were hit a lot as well uh so I think you know it depends on on the uh the position you're playing um as as opposed to I think you know running back would probably be one of the top positions where you know that might be the case uh where you okay. would have a, a bigger chance but you know I mean a lot of these guys I mean they know what they're in for uh, they know, sure. you know, the possibility uh, that it could happen, and I think because of this, you see a lot of players they're they're retiring earlier uh, right. than they normally would because uh, there was a, a wide receiver called Megatron uh, Calvin Johnson who played for the uh, Detroit Lions, and uh, he recently retired, and he had only played in the league, you know, I think you know seven or eight years, and. And he might have been the top receiver, and, and when he retired, he was still at the top of his game. And I, I believe the reason that he did retire was because, you know, he didn't want to risk injury. So I, I think, you know, based on these new studies, I think that's what you're going to see now. I don't think you're going to see a lot of guys, you know, like Brett Favre playing all these years, or uh, mm-hmm. you know, even Peyton Manning all the all the years he played. I think, you know, the careers are going to be shorter, you know, because of that. Oh, yes, and I would tend to agree with that as far as that goes. Um, so thank you for that. And I should let you know, you definitely should watch it. I mean, we finally watched it. My kids and I actually watched it because they were all over this because, you know, they 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 were the reason I approached him because they were just so inspired by what the doctor had to say. And even though he's not a real doctor, he's a pathologist, so technically he's a doctor. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very it poses a very interesting light. But I will warn you, uh, if you're a fan of the NFL, uh they they allude to some very big allegations against the NFL, which I don't necessarily know that I disagree with. Um, so just to prepare you, if you're like, okay, okay well, I, I, plan, on, I know, plan on watching. You may not want to watch yeah. it. No, <laughs> okay, watch wonderful. Oh, well, good. Okay, gotcha. So now, tell my listening audience the three biggest reasons why they should listen to your audiobook. And go. Oh, why did? Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it's very informative. It's uh, very funny. I try to, you know, I'm, I don't just. Uh, get on there and, and recite, you know, every one of my reasons to love the Cowboys, uh, you know, like a robotic stage like I'm doing right now. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very funny. And uh, the, the main thing is, is you'll, you'll hear the passion in my voice when I, uh, sure. when I uh, say the facts and you'll, you'll hear the venom in my voice when I, I talk about the reasons to despise you know the the Philadelphia Eagles and their fans, and and also you know the the New York Giants are up there too, as well. So wow, Look I don't have specific that. ones Impressive. yet for them, but they're they're up there too, and maybe even the Redskins too, because they're they're getting better too. Oh right, definitely without a doubt whatsoever. Yeah. So now let's see, we have actor on your repertoire, we have author on your repertoire. Uh, talk to us a little bit about I, folks on Facebook because nowadays we're all big on the whole social media thing. You established a page called um, Fans of the Mad Hungarian. So obviously, um, to those that don't know you and first finding out about you, what is that all about? What made you initiate that? I assume it's for people that follow you, etc. But what's the main purpose for that page so those that are intrigued can follow along? Yeah, you know, I just started doing it after a while because um, you know, I was posting a lot of links on my on my page and and whatnot and I figured, you know, a lot of people have a page, so why shouldn't I have a page? And and what I could do is I, I could uh showcase uh, you know, films. I, I mostly do like films now. I used to do a lot of sports on there but but since I'm transitioning right. into the actor 
right now a lot more, you know, and I, I talk to a lot more actors and actresses than sports people at this point. Um, you know, it's like a it's like a review. Like if I see a good movie, I'll, I'll post that up there for people to watch. Right. Uh, or you know, if somebody has an interview that I know that that seems interesting, I'll post that up too. Because you know, I appreciate that too. Like when I'm scrolling through Facebook, and and somebody says, "Ooh, this is a if you like horror movies, you know, watch this." Or if you like comedy, you know, watch this. Right. And a lot of times when I when I do put it on, it is pretty good. And I wouldn't have known that if if they didn't, you know, post that up themselves. So, you know, that's what I try to do. And, you know, if somebody has uh, something that they would like to promote, I mean, especially a beautiful model, if she would like to post, hey, <laughs> post away, you know. <laughs> yes, I've noticed that you've had a model or two there on your page, Stephen. I've seen that. And I was like, well, doesn't he know a lot of attractive people? I was like, darn, yeah. there's an awful lot of those on there. Maybe you're lucky. You know everybody, don't you? Look at that. And you know i got to ask this question. Okay, so what's up with the whole bad Hungarian thing? What What is that all about? Yeah, well, um, I figured I needed a nickname because I used to get a lot of nicknames, and they weren't really derogatory, but they really didn't, like, fit me. Like, I remember uh, okay. when I was playing, I'll give you a quick story. I, was, I used to play softball a lot, and, and the people on the softball team – they used to call me Pants. That was my nickname. And the reason they called me that was because I always had to. Pl- I played in sweatpants. I never complained shorts because you got to slide. Okay. So I I would have a pair of sweatpants that fit good, but I slid one time. It ripped it open. I had to find a new pair. I had two pairs of sweatpants. Oh my gosh. One pair was so baggy, and this is you're playing in 90 degree weather. So I wore that okay. one week. It fit well, but it was so baggy I couldn't wear it again. It was it was like claustrophobic. But I found a great pair of sweatpants I could slide in, but I couldn't adjust the the thing to tighten it up enough to keep it on me, you know, securely. So every time, if you watch me in the if you watch me in the field, like every third pitch, I would always be like, you know, tugging, you know, my my sweatpants up so they would stay on because that'd be pretty embarrassing for them to drop and when everybody's playing. So the the people in the in the team that that was my nickname. They called me Pants, and uh, oh I was. God. When I was in high school, I guess the, like the big, best nickname out of all of them that I got, uh, you know, I was a first baseman and I throw left-handed, so they, the, the coach called me Lefty. You know, when they put me, they put Lefty at first base. You know, so oh that, that was okay, but but that was a common one. Like a lot of people are called that. And actually, the, right. the Matt Hungarian was not new because there was a baseball player, uh, Al Hrabowski, and and he was he was called the Matt Hungarian. And he pitched uh, in the 70s and the early 80s. So when I first started watching baseball, I remember him. And I guess he kind of um, uh, kept a vision in me, you know, and I kind of thought he was cool. So I says, yeah, mm-hmm. let, me, let me go with that. And then, then I developed another one, uh, which I use sometime. I, I call myself uh, uh, the Hungarian Dream. And, oh and that actually – that actually arrived a little bit. That has like a little bit of a WWE story because uh, okay. one of one of my favorite wrestlers who really knew how to talk, and actually he just passed away mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, was called uh, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like his song, his Titan Tron, and I still watch it like, you know, 10 times a week. So I says, well, this guy's the, this guy's the, the American Dream. Well, they, I don't think there's a Hungarian Dream, so I'll call myself that for a while. You know. Oh my gosh! Look at you! How funny yeah. is that? It was I'm really sure cool, and next it was different. Ten years, I'll have some more names. You know. Do you Hopefully think so? Good. Well, 
And you know what I find funny about that is nowadays, even though sometimes you can come up with the weirdest stuff, like you have a real quirky name or whatever have you, people will learn to recognize you by that. And then it almost becomes your signature trademark. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Well, I, that, when I that, saw that your page, did I'm like, whoa. Mind. Did it? Well, See? that thought did cross That's... my mind, yeah. But I, there I you figured, go. And too, it's one I of figured... those things. I figured it, you know, I didn't want it to be too long. I, it couldn't have been longer than three words. I mean, I, ideally, because <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like people that have long nicknames either, like, because then you forget the whole thing. So I said, I said to myself, right. it can't be longer than three words. I really would want it to be two words, but gotcha. I think three words is, is the max. So that, that's a, that's a, <laughs> a, a, a tip for anybody out there looking for a nickname. Don't make it longer than three words. Oh my gosh! Look at that. So my. But if I really get famous, then I might become one word, like you know, like Madonna or Ichiro. Share. Share. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Something Pink. like that. Yeah, that's how you okay. know you made it. You, you, if your nickname's one word. That's exactly right. Now, if you were to be given this opportunity, where Vince McMahon called you tomorrow and he's like, Steve, we want you to join the WWE. And he said you could pick your own wrestler name. So I was curious. I was like, i got to ask this guy this. He's probably thought about it a hundred times. What would your wrestler oh name be? No, I haven't really. You just put me on the spot with oh like a wrestler name? Yes. No. Yes. No. Oh, I, you know what? I would, I, would probably, I would probably be in such awe. First of all, if he called, I wouldn't even believe him. I, wouldn't, I would say this is a different <laughs> man. And I might even hang really? up on him because I wouldn't believe him. I think my oh. friend's like pulling a joke. But let's assume oh that, that it was – let's assume it was him – and it was right. verified that it was him. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. I I think he probably would have a better idea of a name than I would because he'd been doing it for so long. And, oh, and, right. Uh, yeah, I'd probably let him do it. I, I think he would come up with a good one. No, I don't disagree with you there, definitely. I would trust okay, him we with have... that, yeah. <laughs> so we have two business things to clear up here before you can get on with your weekend. Um, I'm going to okay. read off these pages. Just remind me if I've forgotten anything. Um he is on Facebook. He has both a personal page, and as I mentioned, Fans of the Mad Hungarian is also on Facebook. On Twitter, which his handle is at N-A-G-Y-S-N-E-S-T. He can also be found on YouTube, CD Baby, IMDB, Stage32.com, and Amazon.com. Did I forget anything? Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, but you know, with LinkedIn, oh, I don't yeah. go on there that much. I go on like probably I gotcha. three times a year. So I, okay. I would say probably the main one, if you want to yell at me or you want to compliment me or if you want to give me a job, <laughs> just <laughs> probably Facebook and, and Twitter because I'm always on that. I'm on ah. that like six, seven days a week, eight days a week. Ah, I got gotcha. I got it. Or, of course, if you're Vince McMahon and, you know, you want to get a hold of Steven because not that you want to talk oh, to him I'll, or I'll run up That'd there like if, cool. if he's really calling, yeah. He's in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, they now, got the, the building in yeah, Connecticut. Yeah, I know. I know. That's and I have, I've approached – I did approach Stephanie McMahon about an interview once, but I didn't hear anything back. And then I approached, well, I'm a Triple H fan, truth be told. Yes, that's right. I'm a oh, Triple yeah, H fan to this day. Triple H and The Undertaker. But my, you know, my admiration stems a little differently than yours does, obviously. Yeah, he's just a pretty yeah. boy. So was, I met Shawn Michaels once. He was really super nice. Um, most of them are actually really, really nice. And to be truthful with you, I kind of miss CM Punk a little bit. I like CM Punk's attitude. You know, I, I like I ain't going to lie. I like I like the the, uh, the the Titan Tron the song too, but that that's a yeah. I think oh, it's a yeah. Lee Kravitz song, yeah. Right, but yeah, yeah I, I, exactly. I do I do so, miss him. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, before I forget, now, if people want to get onto the fans of the um Mad Hungarian, do they have to just request you and you approve everybody or how does that work in case people want to get involved? Yeah, right? I believe that's how it works cuz once in a while I'll get I'll get somebody it says uh member request and then I got the choice okay. I could hit the check mark or hit the X. I ah, hit I the you. check mark. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, because I'm involved in that group, folks, so that you, you get to meet not only a bunch of interesting people, but you get to hang with Stephen and I, which is awesome. So, yes. So, I am so glad that you took this hour out of your time. I'm going to stay in touch with you because I'm in Indie Fest all the time. I get passes all the oh, time. Cool. I get introduce you to people to get into horror all the time. So, we definitely need to stay connected because I am certain, with any luck at all, I will be able to encourage you to make a horror movie, even if it's just for me. Thank you very much. But I'd like to see a director <laughs> do a little something. I think it would be really cool. You have a great personality for that. And I do, um, now that I have taught you, I think I'm going to throw some feelers out there because I do believe that you would truly, not only do you have the voice, but you have the charisma and you have the knowledge that relates to sports radio. So I, I have the ability well, to that I agree with, feel yeah. around. I think I could yeah, do that. Definitely. Like directing a movie, I don't know about that, but the other three things, well, you never know. I agree 100%. Yes, that's exactly right. So we'll throw some feeler out there. I know everybody in radio, so I'm sure that hopefully we'll at least be able to get you some leads to where this way you can go in a direction where you can do what you want to do, which would be awesome, definitely. Oh, I appreciate so yeah, it, Cindy. Thank you, my dear. Anytime at all. And remember, I've been so when you, to visit my show. And remember, when you follow at Nagy's Nest, it's the only nest in the world where a Philadelphia Eagle is not allowed to land in. <gasps> oh, my God. Listen to this jazz. Oh, great. That's usually Here my big top, right? Thing. You usually get the loudest. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mr. Nagy, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now get the hell off my show. No, it's been All wonderful. Right. And, and I will. I'll be in touch soon, definitely. And thank you, my dear. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, you too. Thank you for having me. All right, honey. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Steve Nagy, wasn't he absolutely fascinating? I, I love having people like that on my show because he is very over the top. He's got a great personality, good sense of humor, and overall just good general sport. One more time, Stephen Nagy can be found at his personal page, and it's spelled uh, Stephen and the Nagy's N-A-G-Y. His fan page is called Fans of the Mad Hungarian. He is on IMDb, Stage32.com, Amazon.com, LinkedIn, YouTube, and CD Baby. And again, the Twitter handle is at Nagy, and that's N-A-G-Y-S, Nest, N-E-S-T. And of course, the name of the book again is My 101, 101 Reasons to Love the Dallas Cowboys and 10 Reasons to Despise the Philadelphia Eagles and their fans. Wow. I can barely say that entire thing 150% of the time here. Well, it is Friday afternoon. So, yeah. So you can check that out. And again, that's an audiobook version. So keep that in mind, folks. Uh, so big thanks to Mr. Nagy for coming on the show today. Um, obviously, it's all my listening audience. Before I forget, it's out of the norm. But yes, I'm actually going to be on the radio tomorrow, 10 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. Vanessa Weiss will be joining the show. She is a New Yorker. She's a friend of mine. She has been an entertainer. She's worked at Webster Hall with my dear Gerard McNamee. And now she is looking at the possibility of doing transgender surgery, and she needs our help. She is working on a GoFundMe campaign, and I, as her friend and supporter, am going to do just that, which is support and educate the community about transgenders as well as what we can do to assist her. So 10 o'clock Central Standard Time tomorrow. Vanessa Weiss will be on the show. I hope that all of you are able to tune in. If not, have a great weekend, and I'll See you next week.